You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. This episode is brought to you by the McKinsey Quarterly. Welcome to another episode of the McKinsey Podcast. Hello, I'm Bill Javetsky, an, ed- an executive editor with McKinsey Publishing. I think today's topic is one that everyone will have their own stories to tell about, whatever you do. It's customer experience. And think back for a moment to the last time you called your electric company or your cable company or you filed an insurance claim or ordered something online. Maybe you took a trip on an airline or by taxi. Probably you'll have a memory of how the whole experience felt. When you were done, did you like the experience? Did you hate it? What did you think of the company that provided it? Well, companies are apparently thinking a lot about how they treat their customers. So we're going to talk about what it means to put a customer's needs and wants at the center of a business strategy. My guests today are Harold Fanderl, a partner in McKinsey's Munich office. Welcome, Harold. Hello, Bill. We're also joined by Nicola Mischler, a partner in McKinsey's Paris office. Welcome, Nicola. Hello, Bill. Now, the two of you have just been collaborating on a compendium of articles on customer experience. So, Harold, let me start with you. Customer experience seems to be a big business topic now. What exactly are we talking about when we talk about customer experience? Is it customer service or customer satisfaction, or is it something else? Well, I think um, when we talk about customer experience, Bill, it's actually all of the above. It's really all about putting customer needs at the center of what a company needs to do and then ensuring along all the touch points and even more so along all the the relevant customer journeys that the clients, the customers really experience a flawless um, experience and by being so um, satisfied with this um, with this company also um, are lower in the cost to serve but also um, have a higher potential to be um, more important more valuable customers for this company um, and also maybe even promote this company more among their friends so there's a there's a lot there. That's um, that's a lot to to uh, grapple with. Is is this idea of uh, of touch points and journeys? Can you can you uh, explain that a little bit more? Happy to do so. At the core of at the center of what we are what we are discussing here at, at McKinsey, all around customer experience is the concept of customer journeys. Um, there were some uh, 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 former times when we were discussing improvements of customer touch points. But we see when we also do analytical research that in order to um, really satisfy customer needs, you typically need more than one customer touch point to satisfy a need. This could be to join a company, um, to pay a bill, or to also change something in your addresses. It's typically more than one touch point. And as that is more than one touch point, it's important that you as a company have really the whole journey inside 
and then think about how you can improve this customer journey. The complexity of this comes when you go deeper here and understand that uh, companies are often organized in silos for multiple customer journeys and therefore this cross-functional collaboration is crucial and this playing together, putting the customer need in the center and then working together in multiple areas of the company, be it the more sales-driven guys, the marketing guys, the operational guys, but even support areas like IT and finance to then jointly work and improve this customer journey along the various touch points. So if, I, so if I'm hearing you, a, a, a touch point is a, is a kind of an individual transaction, right? I, I, I call the, the call center and tell them I'm complaining that my electricity is off or something like that. And, and this journey is, is the accumulation of all of my touch points, all of my contacts with, with the company over a, over a period of time? That sounds like a lot to digest for uh, a customer and for a company as well. What is the difference between this idea of a touch point and a, and a customer journey? Nicola, can, can you uh, illuminate us on that? Sure. Uh, basically, we go back to the customer need. Actually, uh, when you want to interact with a company, there is something you want to achieve. Either you want a new product, you want to buy something, you want to complain about something that is broken, something is wrong, one of your bill is wrong. Um, and that's the, the, the basic need. And the different touch points you're interacting with are just ways for you as a customer to solve uh, that need or to fulfill that need or solve that problem. So going back there and understanding the combination of touch points that will actually deliver uh, this, this satisfaction to you or this fulfilled need to you is what we do. We take a full end-to-end -end view of the customer need and that's, that's uh, what we believe is the right way of approaching customer experience. This journey could, uh, how long can it take? So sometimes it's very long. If you think about, uh, I don't know, buying a car, uh, you know, you, you, in most countries today, you have car configurators online. So you go there, you have an ID, you look at one brand uh, site, and you, you configure your car. A and then a few, maybe weeks later, you actually pay a visit to the dealer. And you actually want to try that car. And maybe you hesitate again, and then you have a financing discussion later on. But if you don't connect these elements, you don't have the view of actually one single journey, which is, I want a new car. So it can actually span over a period of a few days or sometimes a few weeks. It can go even to months when it doesn't go right, right? If the company is not solving the problem, it can go up to months. But that's usually not a good sign. Yeah, Nicola, let me maybe add here an example um, uh, from the energy space. When we looked at that, um, at that example, uh, we saw that um, they had actually up to 18 touch points with customers to organize a, a customer moving from one house to the other. But they really didn't have the full view um, across all these touch points, 
what they wanted to achieve. They had 18 touch points. They had more than 60 people that worked in these, this moves, um, uh, on this moves journey in various departments, but there was no single person responsible to kind of um, orchestrate these various teams and touch points to fulfill exactly this need, orchestrating smoothly uh, this, um, um, this, uh, this customer need. And what we did here, um, uh, together with the clients, we really put ourselves deeply into the shoes of the customer, um, uh, did some focus groups and really found out, of course, this period of moving is a very stressful time. Then um, energy is probably there not top of your mind. And therefore, um, what we then did, in a, we organized a cross-functional team with the marketing department, the operational teams, but even IT and the digital team. And then um, based on the insights we got from the customer uh, uh, feedback, um, found out to really smoothen this process, having a clear upfront communication, how long does it now take in order to uh, make this move uh, really happen. Um, 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 uh, uh, on top of this, really think about Do we need all these 18 touch points? Can we shorten this whole process significantly? Um, and by really collaborating cross-functional and continuously also involving customers for feedback, we were able to reduce that the amount of time needed for this journey from six weeks to under one week and also increased customer satisfaction by more than 30%. So if we are, um, if this involves uh, the marketing department and the operations uh, function and IT, I, I mean, it sounds like a very complicated process from a company's standpoint. Um, what is what is driving this? I mean, are customers demanding this kind of end-to-end -end service and end-to-end -end attention to to what they're seeking? or is it coming from some other source? Customers are relatively simple, right? They interact with you and they want the service that they are expecting to be, to be delivered. So I think what creates the complexity is actually uh, the company. Through the years, for many reasons, sometimes a new IT system, sometimes or some regulations, some legal requirements, and so on, add complexities little by little and you end up because uh, companies do not focus that much on these end-to-end -end customer journeys you end up with a extremely cumbersome experience for customers which is actually not optimized for him but optimized for the company so what we're advocating now with Harald is this shift in perspective so that the customer uh, becomes the center of the attention again Nicola, I think that's, that's spot on. Maybe let me also add, I think the demand of the customer is also increasing. I think that is another uh, thing that you, that you also observe in the marketplaces. I mean, um, many um, industries get fully disrupted uh, with new offers. And um, if I only think of the Amazons or the Apples of this world, but also in the telco sector, I think there is uh, there's a lot, uh, especially through the, the, the digital revolution that is happening in these uh, sectors, 
um, where the customer demands are becoming higher and higher, and um, they are experiencing um, a, a, a full breadth of experiences, some really stellar and really efficient and putting the customer in the center, and others uh, in industries like insurance, like energy, um, and um, maybe also in the whole healthcare space, where you experience still um, a, a big opportunity to put more the customer need in the center of everything what these companies are doing. And the reason why our clients are now turning to us more and more on this topic of customer experience is that indeed these companies, these Apple, Google, Amazon, Uber, are just raising the bar in terms of customer expectation. And now, uh, if you think about the B2C world, a lot of our uh, clients face customers which, with raising demand. If I can manage a taxi booking in a very easy way with Uber, why couldn't I access all my accounts on my bank, all my bank accounts in a very easy app manner, completely integrated? Or why can't I uh, subscribe to a new um, a phone uh, uh, plan, uh, telecom plan uh, through, the, through the web as well or through my, uh, through my device, uh, for instance, if I want to buy one for my kids? So it's actually percolating from these leading-edge companies to the regular B2C world. And even what I found most interesting in the last sort of 18 to 24 months is that even in the B2B world, this is also coming. So customers are becoming more demanding uh, and comparing different companies against each other when they, when they base their decisions on where to purchase uh, based on their experience. Let me make a comment, uh, Bill, here. I think in, in your question at the, at the early stage of this conversation around the definition of customer experience, you need to remember this is a perception, right? This is not a, an operational KPI as you usually have uh, in a company. This is a perception driven by a very clear equation. It's the observed performance that the customer has with its you know, supplier minus its expectation. So think about it. A lot of companies want to make sure they do good on customer satisfaction by increasing the observed performance. That's good. But don't forget the expectations because if your expectations are very high and you deliver something in terms of observed performance quite standard, people are going to be uh, deceived, right? And, and think about all the message, the marketing messages we're getting through advertising every day. I'm going to be the best. You will see what you will see. We have the best network. We have the best this, the best that. So through advertising, a lot of companies are raising expectations while actually delivery is quite standard. We've found that sometimes lowering expectations can also be a way to deliver higher satisfaction. In, to, say, to take a real example, one of my clients, um, actually uh, on, in the telco space, delivering or provisioning uh, fiber to the home was, was in the shops claiming the delivery would happen in the next eight days. Well, actually, the back office was rather, on average, able to deliver around, let's say, 12 to 15 days, which obviously created the negative perception versus the salesperson's promise. If you, 
if you revert the thing and say at the moment of the sale, you know, it's likely to be 12 to 15 days, people usually already have a broadband uh, uh, connection at home. So it's not the end of the day if you don't have it in, in one week. But the, the overall satisfaction that came out of this process, uh, you know, promising 15 and, and delivering on it, or sometimes even over-delivering, was far better than saying the contrary. So that's very interesting. So you, it's not necessarily that you, um, you actually attack this with uh, performance gains, but you, in, in some ways you are, you are dealing in, in the perceptions of what your customers expect and, uh, and working around those. It, it, um, it sounds like at times it could, it could be a little bit manipulative, no? Well, you, you call it manipulative. It's also just the truth, right? If you are able to deliver on, on 12 days and your sales guy is just trying to push, push, push to get the sale, this is actually the manipulation. To be honest, if you tell him the truth, maybe you're going to lose the sale, but I don't think uh, this, is, uh, this is likely to be less, uh, rather marginal uh, versus, uh, versus actually uh, having a bad uh, experience in the first sort of uh, uh, two to three weeks. So the companies that you mentioned, Apple, Amazon, Uber, these are, these are companies um, that obviously use digitization uh, to, a, to a vast degree. Are, is it only the, these new, newer players uh, who, are, who are good at this, or are there older line players who, who are also uh, good at, at uh, putting customers at the center of their of their purpose and, and their strategy. You can take a, a, a customer-centric approach from, from any starting point, right? And it's, it's a little bit, it's not the privilege to, uh, to a few, limited to a few companies, but it's rather, let's say, open to anyone. It's, uh, we would claim it's almost a, a performance angle that was long uh, sort of overlooked, uh, a performance angle of a company that was long overlooked, right? You, many companies, you know, I mean, 100% of companies focus on their financial performance. All of them focus on the commercial performance. Now there's a lot of pressure to be good on your environmental performance. You need to be good on your social performance, the way you treat your employees and so on. Who is actually looking and focusing on the customer performance? So I would, I would argue this is something that is open and required for anyone. There is a, a, a leading European energy player who used to be in the bottom 25% uh, in, in, in terms of uh, customer satisfaction that now embraced this whole topic and is now a leader even in their country in terms of customer satisfaction. And in the pharma healthcare sector, there are now also some, some payers that really take this concept at the core one of the clients we've been uh, supporting managed an increase in one and a half years of more than 25% in terms of uh, uh, improvements in customer satisfaction, which went along with a really um, fundamental change of the mindset and behavior of six and a half thousand people by introducing the customer journey concept and by um, in a staged process really working on one customer journey uh, after the other. I'd like to talk about 
what it takes inside a company to begin this kind of a transformation. But before we do that, I'd like to ask what the benefits are of uh, of taking a much more customer centric approach. What um, this. does it does it uh, migrate to the bottom line? What uh, what culturally can we look at? Because obviously. Um, companies often talk about strategy and financial benefits, but uh, if you are going to devote a lot of attention to developing better customer relations, the question is obviously going to come, well, what advantage will it give us? And um, maybe you could explore that a little bit, Nicola. Yes, uh, indeed, it's a, it's a fair question, right? Because we've been talking for a while now about improving customer satisfaction. As Harald was just saying, we've seen... Uh, significant improvements uh, in other areas of the business which are more directly linked to the bottom line uh, uh, through a, a focus on customer satisfaction. Um, and I'll come back to that. But it needs, again, let's not think uh, this is, oh, yeah, you know, uh, let's, let's hide a cost reduction program uh, at the back of a customer-centric sort of transformation. We need to be true to this, right? So it's, it's really focusing on a customer satisfaction that has side benefits, right? I think we've seen uh, lower cost to serve uh, attached to that. So even without wanting cost, customer, uh, uh, sorry, cost reductions, we actually end up doing some because we simplify processes, we improve the end-to-end, -end, we improve the first time right, we accelerate digital migration, we avoid uh, repeat interactions and so on. And, you know, let's say 15 to 20% of cost reduction is quite often seen. Now, not only costs, uh, it also drives revenues for sometimes obvious reasons like um, churn avoidance, so people uh, canceling their services with a company, uh, but also... Um, uh, types of, uh, uh, you know, cross-selling, so adding to your portfolio of services you have with one company. Or even simply, as I've seen recently in a B2B uh, case, winning more proposals. So let me, let me pose a, a situation. I am a CEO of a company. Maybe it's a retail company. Maybe it's a business-to-business -business company. I recognize that I am losing some competitiveness because others in my sector are more customer-centric. But I haven't given much thought to this in the past. How should I attack the problem of getting better at customer experience? What are the fundamental building blocks of a strategy to improve uh, the way that I treat customers and put them at the center of my strategy? It all starts with really um, a vision, an aspiration of what do I want to achieve. Typically, that can be also stimulated by an external impulse where there's a new entrant or, as we discussed earlier, also um, maybe a new uh, uh, smaller player really uh, offering a more... Uh, um, compelling uh, proposition to your to your customers um, or that you even see um, in customer satisfaction ratings that you have a real challenge. If you have really a customer satisfaction problem, it's really important to dig deep and really understand 
why do customers perceive us like this and then also uh, come to a um, joint understanding okay there is really um, most of the time that's often not so nice but it's a little painful profit that you accept okay there is a problem and when you have um, uh, understood this situation and really understand where you are in terms of customer satisfaction what is really the expectation of your customers where are you uh, in um, your current performance then you uh, um, uh, go back and, and start looking at what are the most important customer journeys and how can you and that's um, often a good uh, first step to basically take one customer journey then think about um, how um, do you work on this customer journey um, um, uh, at the moment from an internal perspective and then play towards there um, what would be actually the expectation from the customer side and then you get into a um, understanding of where you are what the aspiration level uh, can and should be and then in a cross-functional team you start to organize by attributing one leader who most of the time is the guy who has the most touch points in this customer journey. You, you appoint him as the, the uh, customer journey lead and then start with him and the various departments that are, that are actually engaged in um, um, uh, the various customer touch point a, a, a process with many of the tools that we then bring uh, to the table to come to a, a continuous improvement all along uh, this customer journey. I've seen um, uh, three major components that make a customer experience transformation successful. Obviously, first you need a top-down push. So you need the top management to be convinced, to understand and create this uh, conviction or propagate this conviction across uh, the organization. Uh, obviously, this is good, but that's not enough. The second element is the one that Harald was speaking about before, which is to look at the journeys, understand them, sometimes create them when they don't really exist or they are not formalized, prioritize them, and then go uh, through the main ones and transform them. So you look at the major cost items, what's creating uh, problems, and, and rework, 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 till uh, you have increase in customer satisfaction. The third element, which is, in our view, absolutely crucial to make it last and, and ensure a wide adoption around the companies, is a, a feedback loop system. Uh, and yes, there have been a lot of measures around customer satisfaction and even debates, uh, university debates about which measurement system or which indicator is the best. The point is what you do with it. And we believe putting in place a feedback loop system that actually asks at uh, the closest to an event with the client and typically to the end of a journey, asking the customer for satisfaction uh, measure or rating, but then feeding it back into the organization, not only in the form of a dashboard for the management to look at, but for individual um, stakeholders, so individual field technician, individual store 
sales reps, individual uh, call center people about their own uh, interaction with their clients, the people they just spoke to, feeding them back the positive but also the negative ones is actually very powerful because then um, they know what they've done right, what they've done wrong, and how they could improve. And they also know the company's kind of taking care of this. It's really, um, uh, it's really important uh, for, for, for the company. Okay, so that's a very helpful exploration of a very complex business topic. That's it for today. You can find Harold's and Nicola's insights on McKinsey.com and also their compendium called Customer Experience, Creating Value Through Transforming Customer Journeys. Thanks to both of them for participating in our podcast. Thanks, Harold. Thank you, Bill. It was a pleasure uh, to be on this one. Thank you, Nicola. You're welcome. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.